Welcome to Brotherly Pod. Here it is Tuesday, July 19, 2022. I guess Wednesday by the time most of you listen to this. Uh, maybe Thursday or Friday. It doesn't really matter, right? Whatever date it is right now, that's what uh, that's what the date is. <sighs> well, I wasn't planning on doing another show. The Flyer Star Chat was supposed to be the last one, but if you've been uh, listening to these shows over the last few weeks, you know I've had trouble putting my thoughts into place about how this Flyers offseason went and what kind of lies ahead. And I think I've been being able to kind of <laughs> congeal these these thoughts into one place here. So I figured I'd share with the masses here before we uh, you know take our break for the offseason. Just me tonight, by the way, flying solo. And the entire offseason, <laughs> they're pushing the fact that they're going to stay competitive, but I think it's a facade for a rebuild. And rebuild doesn't even feel like the right word, because when I think rebuild, I think you have to tear your roster down first, build through the draft, so on and so forth. Like, retool still feels like the right word, but they're going to stretch it out as long as they possibly can. I don't think there's any interest in them dragging it out for the year. I think they're more than willing to lose next season, gamble, in the 2023 draft, hope by a freaking minor miracle that Connor Bedard falls into their lap, or, or one of the three top guys, whoever the Christ, I don't know their names, I don't particularly care, I didn't think we would be sitting here in 2023 having to worry about what fucking prospects the Flyers are going to draft, but here we are. But that in lies the thing, is who in the front office knows what the plan is right now? And I use the word plan rather loosely, because it's pretty goddamn obvious the Flyers don't have a plan of any kind. It's more just Fletcher with his fucking band of cronies behind him that nobody knows what the hell's happening. And that's where I'm interested. Like, you know, we think back and Dave Scott was the one who wanted the blank check and things to happen and, and go crazy and Briere. You know, when he had his introductory press conference, seemed to lean more in the Dave Scott side of things, which was looking to be competitive relatively soon. I forget what the exact phrase he used, uh, used was off the top of my head, but it essentially boiled down to, we know we're going to suck this year, we're going to take advantage of the offseason, meaning this shitty draft, and we're gonna, you know, drafting high, and then try and be competitive next season. You know, to get, embrace the hiccup and move forward. But... 
that didn't happen. <laughs> you are here. We are a week after free agency, and you're sitting with the ex- more or less the exact same roster you had last season. No Giroud, no Lindblom, plus D'Angelo, plus fucking Nick Delorier. We'll get to him, but you know how do you expect this team to do anything different? And I guess that's kind of the thing with with Tortorella is is this guy going to take this team from fourth worst to playoff team, even if it's just like second wild card spot playoff team? I don't think so. My guess with Torts, and it's honestly the worst possible outcome next season, is if everyone stays relatively healthy and Tortorella comes in and you know gets them all on the same page, they're going to be, ironically enough, where the Blue Jackets have been the last few years. They're going to threaten for a wild card spot, but never actually make the playoffs and never actually get close enough to truly, you know, uh, pounce on the opportunity, but they'll be around and they're going to finish like eight to 12 in the draft. And it's like, (laughs) of all the outcomes, that's the worst one. And it seems like the most likely, but it always goes back to who in the front office knows what Chuck Fletcher's thinking right now. Like, you would assume his job security is going to rely heavily on what happens in the up few months in in October, November, you know, probably anywhere before Christmas, quite frankly. You know, if this team comes out and they're flat and they suck and the Wells Fargo Center is still empty, he's probably going to get fired at some point. He made it through the summer. Like I think if he wasn't fired yet, I highly doubt he's going to get canned before the season starts. So, if that's the case, and you're Fletcher, why would you be so scared to make moves this summer? You're playing... He. It seems like he wants to play the long game and wait and draft, but he may not make it to the next draft. Like, if he doesn't get fired before Christmas, I certainly don't expect him to make it this time next year, especially if they miss the playoffs and look shitty doing so. There's no way you were in... Th- I mean, this guy... Anybody remember what it felt like right before Ron Hextall got canned? It was palpable that the walls were closing in for the last few months when he ran it back with Nui Verth and Elliot didn't go after Ryan O'Reilly. Like, it was only a matter of time. And, you know, he made it till what? It was right after Thanksgiving he got canned, wasn't it? Like, I don't know. This situation feels very similar. It feels very, you know, the walls are closing in we don't know when he's going to get fired, but like, I don't know if he makes it to 2023 as the Flyers GM in the first place. <laughs> so, you know, unless he's do, oh, well, we're going to think about Danny Breyer and not spend any assets. And it's like, fuck, man. The other thing that I thought about through all of this was what if Fletcher did convince the front office that drafting another year and pissing away another season was the right thing to do. But the big fucking issue there, and this is the big one, is if you're intent on wasting another season, more power to you, but you're still selling it to the fans as you're going to be competitive next year. (laughs) What's your fucking plan for that one? You know, you are just flat out lying to the people at this point. Listen, Fans don't exactly like the Flyers' front office right now. Like, I don't think I've ever seen things as bad as they are right now. 
And I've been doing this a long time, okay? I've never seen the fan base so actively against the front office in almost perfect unison, by the way. There are not many people out there that are not bought and paid for by Comcast, you know, these fucking team writers and NBC guys, the ones that, you know, are, are paid to spew state propaganda, you know. Anybody else with fucking two brain cells to rub together can look at this and go, what the fuck is happening here? You know, so it just feels odd that if they agree on a rebuild that they wouldn't just come out and say something. Why would you not be honest with the people and say, okay, listen, we're going to piss away a full another season. Everyone's going to fucking hate it. But that I feel like does less damage than trying to convince everyone this roster's a meaning. Because what the fuck happens in November when you're in your in your last place? And you sat and Chuck Fletcher sat here at this press conference and I like my team. This is an aggressive retail. We did our thing. Blah blah blah. You're gonna look like shit. <laughs> you know? Like there's gonna be that angry mob of the Wells Fargo Center soon enough. That's the only way you're gonna get people back in there. It's certainly not gonna be through their on ice product. It's gonna be because everyone's there with pitchforks and torches you know, with the guillotine ready to get Chuck Fletcher's head. I, I just don't I, I don't know what their plan is beyond that. I just don't think Fletcher survives these decisions. And I don't know. There, there's, and listen, I've already seen the mental gymnastics people are going through on the social medias to justify this upcoming season. And it goes back to a little thing called the what if factor, right? It boils down to assuming everybody's going to peak at their absolute potential this season. What if Morgan Frost looks like a top six NHL forward instead of a bottom six ECHL forward? What if Sean Couturier doesn't look like a 105-year-old man coming off a of back surgery? What if Travis Konechny produces more goals than he does stupid faces? <laughs> you know, you're, you're assuming everyone is going to hit their peak, and it's something that we've talked about off and on for years on the show. If you're a longtime listener, you know what the what if factor is. And they're doing that again. This is a team that won 25 games last season, coming back mainly intact. And now you're down the only player on your team that had any actual talent, which was Claude Giroux. And you're expecting differences. And like I said, if they're relatively healthy, like, I don't think they're going to be a bottom five team, but that defeats the whole fucking purpose of throwing away the full season, isn't it? Isn't it the whole point of throwing away another year to be a bottom five team to try and get Bedard? <laughs> I, it's just, I, I, there's no scenario. And the more I think about this, the more time that passes, the more time I have to chew on all of this, there's just not a scenario where I'm sitting here going, all right. Like, this is their path. If they can go down this path, this windy little road, they can make it to their endgame. There doesn't feel like any of that because of their decisions at the end of the year. And, I mean, if you're listening to this show for the last few months, you know we talked about, you know, different ways to go about it. And it was all so precise. You know, it was all contingent on getting rid of JVR and moving Konechny and Lindblom and... You know, getting as much money as you can and then addressing your holes smartly. And when they didn't do that because they didn't address any of their holes outside a power play quarterback, which they paid a goddamn top dollar for, 
you really, really screwed yourself with what you can do moving forward. And there's, again, I just don't actively see a path where you can say, all right, this is the one. This is the way that they get out of this. They can walk it back and win everybody back. The only way they get back any fans at this point is if they shit the bed hard enough, messy enough, disgusting enough, there's shit all over the bed, that Bedard is their guy. <laughs> that, by the grace of fucking God, Connor Bedard falls in their lap. And even, what the fuck is Connor Bedard even going to do for this franchise at this point? Do you realize how good you're going to have to be to do anything for this team? And then all of a sudden you're in fucking Edmonton Oilers territory where you're going to have one of the best players in the league on your team and a roster filled with complete shit to surround the guy with. And all of a sudden you're going to go, man, we got to fucking work. You know, we got to start overhauling these guys. We got everyone on long-term big money fucking contracts. We can't clear anybody. We're going to have to fucking let Connor Bedard drag fucking Travis Konechny's worthless ass around the ice every night. God, can't wait till he's playing on the fucking 3C behind Couturier and Hayes and he's there with Nick Delorier and oh my God. <sighs> I don't know. I just don't know what the plan is. Yeah, I, I, I think I've understood where Fletcher is. It more just depends on what the rest of the offseason looks like. And if he ultimately gets canned in, you know, November by American Thanksgiving, you know... <laughs> What's the what happens? Do we throw Danny Briere into the role and say, "Here you go, kid, figure it out." You know, do you bring in somebody else? Do you you know, add at the trade deadline? Do you sell at the trade deadline? Do you The fact that Fletcher remained and you know, I I I've written pieces about this over the last few months is I thought Fletcher would be here for at least another year. But then he did whatever the fuck it was he did this offseason, and now I think he tremendously shortened his own lifespan on that one. And it's going to rely heavily on what happens this year, and I just can't imagine a scenario where this team is in good positioning by Christmas. You know, it's just not going to happen. You know, how many other things... It's not even the Flyers. It's how many other things would have to go wrong in the Metro Division or just the East in general for the Flyers to have any goddamn shot at a playoff spot. You know, it's borderline impossible. And by the way, one thing I thought that was interesting with all these... he's been The Johnny Gaudreau thing. He's been doing a lot of interviews lately with anybody that can talk to him. And the one pretty consistent thing he keeps talking about was he basically never talked to the Flyers. There was never any interest there. You know, he wanted to go, but the Flyers never reciprocated that that thing. They never talked. He said there were three teams, which I assume would be the Devils, the Islanders, and the Blue Jackets. You know, and, <laughs> which is funny because it was the one thing during Chuck Fletcher's press conference that I thought was bullshit. When he sat there and we never had any interest in Johnny Gaudreau. We never, we were never in on the guy. And I'm like, bullshit you were. But apparently they weren't. And listen, that's not a good thing. That's terrible. That just shows how fucking incompetent this front office is. Like, I don't doubt they were trying to move JVR because your offseason would have been significantly easier if you had that extra $7 million, even if they never, you know got a guy you would have had a little bit of extra breathing room there but that was the one thing that i keep noticing from these ones that it's like the flyers never actually had any interest in johnny gaudreau and i just sit here and shake my head you know how the fuck is it possible that a team like this could not have any interest in gaudreau 
what's the fucking plan here? You know, and I guess the easy answer is there is no plan, right? But you passed up on Debrincat, you passed up on Gaudreau, now this Matthew Kachuk thing's hanging out there, and they're going to pass up on him, and it's just like, so, you know, this this feels very much like we're still in the Ron Hextall days of like, there are just stars flying around the league for next to nothing, and we're just not, we're just, we're just, we're going to rely solely on our draft picks. One day, five years from now, Cutter Gauthier will be here, and God damn it, we're gonna wait till he gets here before we do anything. Like we 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 are quite literally have gone full circle all the way back to 2014 to the start of the Ron Hextel era. So through all well, that was just that was one little tidbit that I keep hearing through these Gaudreau interviews that I thought was interesting that I uh, would connect some dots on. So so I don't know. I I, I just. <laughs> It makes you wonder where Dave Scott is at something like this. And and if I was the fucking owner of the Flyers and Chuck Fletcher did what he did on day one of free agency, I would have stormed him during that press conference and fired him right there on the fucking spot live for everybody to see. That's what I would have done. And Scott's such a weird guy because there are times where it feels like he's too hands-on and then times where it feels like he's not hands-on enough. And this is one of the situations where he's not been hands-on enough. Where the fuck, like, he's just on Maui right now, sipping on margaritas, blissfully unaware of what's happening with his hockey team. Like, it's got to be the case, right? Like, <laughs> I just, where, uh, he was the one, I think, above all else that wanted the aggressive retool because he's the one that is, you know, kind of de facto in charge of the Wells Fargo Center being empty every night, right? I mean, he's the one at the end of the day whose shoulders this falls on to make the decisions for everybody else, to put a winning team, to put a winning front office in place in the first place. And that clearly isn't the case. And I've always wondered about this front office. Because, like, you have Dean Lombardi on, like... (laughs) What the fuck is Dean Lombardi doing here? What is his job with this organization? How do you put together a Stanley Cup, a two-time Stanley Cup winning LA Kings team and then get hired by Philadelphia and just fall into the shadows for the last however many years he's been? You know, he was never prominent under Ron Hextall. It sure doesn't seem like he does anything under Fletcher. Like, he's around from time to time. People take pictures of him from time to time. But, like, what's his job here? And there's still, you know... A lot of blame still to this day gets put on the Flyers' Illuminati. The Holmgren and Clark are still secretly running the team. And here's the thing. If Holmgren and Clark were still secretly running the team, my guess is they'd be a much fucking better team than they are now. But, you know, they're more or less retired. They basically haven't been around the team much since COVID. Like, and then Bill Barber. I mean, Jesus Christ, what is that guy? I just, he's around, but what say do these people actually have? They're advisors, you know? You you listen to them, you go, okay, Grandpa, and they hang up the phone and go, what the fuck is wrong with that guy? Like, that's the that's the problem they serve at this point. So, I don't know. I, I, I just don't... This front office doesn't make any goddamn sense, and I, I think we're going to get a solution to that soon. Like I said, I, I just... I, I think uh, Fletcher's out of here sooner rather than later, and... and what they do beyond that will be interesting, but for right now, like, it's just a matter of what their overall plan is. Are they divided? You know, does Dave Scott aware that Fletcher shit all over his offseason and you're going to run it back with the exact same team? We're going to sit here in November and go, man, nobody's in the fucking Wells Fargo Center. Yeah, no shit! 
Anybody read the uh, stories that are coming out in Columbus that like they're selling season tickets like crazy because of Johnny Goudreau? It's like, huh, crazy. What a fucking unbelievable, uh, you know, development out there that you bring in a superstar and people pay to watch that superstar play hockey. Can you imagine if they did that here in Philadelphia? What hometown boy Johnny Gaudreau alone would do for your numbers? That was always the thing for me. And the more time I've had to sit on this Gaudreau thing as well, just the fucking angrier I get. Like, I don't know. Like, if you're going, if you're Chuck Fletcher, why would you be so damn scared to do that? I would move JVR at all costs and sign Gaudreau and just deal with it. You know, I don't think a long-term contract at big money, you know, so what, seven years at just shy of 10 million he got? That's a lot, man. And Gaudreau will probably sooner or later not be worth that deal, even though he probably is right now. But who the fuck cares what that contract's going to look like along? You already got everybody else on this team blocked up to massive deals. Gaudreau is here for eight more fucking years. Kevin Astell is, what, four? You know, (laughs) you may as well have just signed Gaudreau and then figure it out later. If your back was against the wall, that would have at least helped the attendance numbers in the short term. I'm sure, again, by Christmas, once this team was belly up, it would have been different. But from a business perspective, that was the one thing about Gaudreau is, is, you know, from a hockey perspective and their future perspective, it may not have been the best move, but from a business perspective, it was absolutely the right move. So, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> nothing went right. And, you know, what is Fletcher's line for giving up assets. What's his personal line in the sand where he says, no, we're not doing this for Gaudreau. You know, you give up assets to dump Shane Goss's beer. You give up first and second round pick and Robert Haig to bring in Rista Line in last year. You give up three picks for Tony D'Angelo. You give $5 million to Rista Line and D'Angelo. You're throwing a whole lot of assets on things that you don't need, but then when it comes to parting ways with somebody like JVR in order to bring in somebody like Gaudreau, you say, "Mm mm-mm, not doing it. And what got me thinking about that is the Matthew Kachuk rumors that are out there. You know, Matthew Kachuk apparently not thrilled with his time in Calgary, and then he's going to you know, more likely get traded before the start of the season. And I just sit here and it's like, you think the Flyers are in on this guy? Like, I'm not getting my fucking hopes up. That's for goddamn sure. But that's, that's, why would you not, unless here's the thing, if you didn't just give up three fucking draft picks for D'Angelo, you probably could have packaged some kind of deal together to a team to clear that money rather than sitting here and going, well, it was the 2023 first or bust or 2024 first, whatever the fuck the rumor was, whatever they actually wanted. You know, if you had the draft picks, you could have come up with some kind of cocktail to entice the team to take JVR, but you didn't because you just spend all those assets on fucking Tony D'Angelo. So it's just, it's interesting who he will and will not jump for. You know, what's his personal line in the sand when it comes to giving up assets? And, I don't know. I I just, I I don't, I don't know. So what do we think's happening in this upcoming year? You know, what was the term Fletcher used? A stabilizing year? Was that it? We've been using the term transition year around here. And that's the thing that, like, their version of a stabilizing year entails running it back with the exact same roster with a new coach. But... When I think about a year like this, I think that it's time to play as many of the kids as you possibly can and see who sinks and swims. You know what you're going to get with 
you know, JVR and Atkinson and Konechny and Lawton. Like, these got all, they've all been here for fucking ever. You know exactly what they're going to do. Why not give all this playing time to Forrester and Allison and Ratcliffe and, you know, Zamula and even Wiley, if you can fit him in there, Adderd, you know, I... <laughs> That that would be the way that I would have approached this year, was if you're going to throw this year away, find more power to you, but let's at least let some of the kids play. And I can't help but sit here and think, how long into the year before none of the kids are playing? You know, And I don't know, if th- I, this isn't meant as a shot at Tortorello, because I think most coaches, you know, you always hear the cliche, wow, this guy doesn't like playing the kids. Like, I think with 95% of coaches, that's going to be the case, whether they're tenured vets or new guys. You know, more often than not, unless you have a top line, you know, if you have a Matthews and Barner and you can put a Michael Bunting up there with them, fine. You can get, you know, carried to that role. But if you don't have that, like the Flyers, and you got a bunch of 30-year-olds who absolutely suck in your top six, you don't have that luxury. So... How long in the season until, you know, JVR and Patrick Brown and DeLaurier and fucking, you know, Zach McEwen, how long until they're all playing regular ice time and Lazinski is in the AHL and Wade Allison is scratched and, you know, it's just... That's going to be the frustrating part. And that was the one thing, like, if they weren't going to add this year, all right, fine, more power to you, but you probably should have sold off a little more. You know, by the time the fucking trade deadline comes around and you get rid of Sanheim and Konechny, and now all of a sudden you got, you know, the 15 games left to see what, you know, Igor Zamula has, you know. I just, like, holy fuck. You know, I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't know. It worries me that that you're going to sit here with this team and all the veterans are still going to be playing. And like I hope I'm wrong on that one, but I it's just it's just it's just a matter of time before JVR is seeing top 6 minutes because Faraby isn't here because they didn't properly address their f- fucking depth at left wing. <laughs> you know. JVR, your top line, and Lawton, and whoever the fuck else they can throw on the left side. Yeah, it just, oh my God, it's so frustrating to know exactly what's going to happen here. And that's the thing, is like, anybody with two brain cells drawn together can look at this current roster setup and look at, you know, the future and go, we know what's going to happen here. This roster is going to absolutely suck because it's the same roster we've been watching suck for two fucking years now. Nothing's going to change there. And they're going to fucking be hesitant to fire Chuck Fletcher until the bitter end like they were with Ron Hextall. And you're going to chase away everybody and there's going to be no hope. And <laughs> it's just this story. Like, I feel like we've seen this somewhere before, you know, somewhere over the last few years it just keeps repeating and 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 and nothing ever fucking changes (sighs) i don't know i just thought i would share all of this before before we call it a, a season i guess is the last 
Yeah, last live episode of season four. We got uh, plenty of content over the next few weeks for all the listeners. Um, plenty. I got two or three pre-recorded freaking flyers. I haven't started editing that yet, so it's probably going to be two or three. And uh, all four parts of the flyer side chat best ofs will be up over the next two weeks. So this will be the last one, I believe, for a little while, um, for myself anyway. But plenty of content for the listeners. We'll be back soon. Sometime in August to uh, to pick back up and you know continue on and I guess we'll see. Maybe by the next time we talk, Matthew Kachuk will be a flyer. <laughs> Just kidding. He'll be a fucking devil because they won't be afraid to go get the guy. That's the only way that ends up, right? If they get rid of Matthew Kachuk and he's gonna be in the fucking Metro Division, destroying the Flyers for the rest of time. Yeah. My guess is he ends up in St. Louis eventually, but you know, I guess we shall see. But but uh, that would be a nice consolation uh, consolation prize, Chucky. You want to bring us uh, bring us Matthew to Chuck? It could be the one thing that saves his job. <laughs> Here you go. We missed out on Gajel, but it's because we wanted Matthew to Chuck. This was our game plan all along. <laughs> Shut up. Speaking of game plans, before we wrap this one up, Zach McEwen taking, well, I guess he's choosing arbitration, which is <laughs> at face value incredibly funny, with the benefit of just everything that's gone on incredibly funny. He just watched Nick Delorier get paid through the nose to punch people in the face and he goes, well, I want to get paid through the nose to punch people in the face too! <laughs> so he took him to took him to arbitration. So, whoopty fucking do, I guess. We shall see how that pans out. Um, can't wait for the Flyers. You know, Fletcher was the one who used the term redundancy when he was talking about this lineup over the last few years. There's redundancy with Shane Gostas Bear and Eric Gustafson in the same line because they're playing the same role. So naturally, what are you going to do? You bring in Nick Delorier to usurp Zach McEwen, right? You're going to have the fourth line like it's fucking 1980 out there. <laughs> Just completely punching people and... I don't know. I guess. Whatever. We'll see what that one. I can't imagine he's going to make that much money, but the Flyers clearly lowballed the shit out of him after just giving Delorier a contract, which is why the arbitration is happening in the first place. So we shall see, I guess. They also signed Morgan Frost, one year, 800K. Uh, the probably ultimate prove it deal, I would assume. Um, he's 23. He's still an RFA next summer now, but, uh, you know. Yeah, I don't exactly think highly of Morgan Frost around here, and now that he's going to be with Torch, who's actually going to demand he plays hockey, is going to be uh, going to be interesting to see how that one works out. But um, you know that one, I believe a uh, Ratcliffe signed today as well. Let me see what his uh, numbers were. Ratcliffe one year, two way, eight hundred and thirteen k. Can't wait for him to spend another season in the fucking AHL. He better play in the NHL. I know I just ranted about that, but he better play in the NHL. You may as well give him a shot. That was the guy, you know, I'm a fucking phantom season ticket holder, and I've seen a whole lot of this guy over the last few years and never thought highly of him. I think he and Morgan Frost are the two most disappointing players to come out of the Hextall era drafting. And he was never, you know, he's, what, 6'8"? <laughs> just never did anything with a 6'8" body and the 6-8 frame that he has he was so soft he never threw a check never could score and then he gets called up to the NHL looks really good in the 
few games that he was up there and then gets sent back down and played like a fucking man possessed through the last few months of the phantom season. So hopefully he can continue that fire. Hopefully they give him another serious look at the NHL. I don't see what you have to lose at this point. Um, so we shall see, I guess. But I believe those are all the updated contracts to uh, to touch upon here. The Frost one is, you know, it's whatever. My guess is he's 3C to start the season. And if he succeeds, which, you know, I'm not counting on, then I guess he'll probably have a contract extension coming his way. And if not, he's probably packaged with uh, somebody to... Deal them at the uh, deal them at the trade deadline and just move on from there. McEwen, <laughs> McEwen goes to goddamn arbitration. I still laugh at that. It's so simple, but so stupid. Oh god, fucking organization just can't do anything right, can they? Redundancies in the lineup. Entire fucking roster is a redundancy. Every goddamn winger on this team is the exact same. What the hell does Travis Konechny do that JVR doesn't? What does Atkinson do that fucking Lawton doesn't? Outside of Joel Farabee, who's going to miss half the season with a neck injury. It's just, it's all the same. His entire roster is a redundancy. <sighs> Whatever. All right, everyone. Well, I guess we'll call it a day now that I got this out of my system. Uh, at Dan the Flyer Fan, at Brotherly Pod, at Brotherly underscore pod. Thank you very much for listening for season four of Brotherly Pod. We'll be back in a couple weeks. Um, you know, the best of Flyer side chats. There's four parts of that. They'll be up. we got a couple pre-recorded frequent flyers with Mike and Manny. And uh, if any news breaks between now and then, if Matthew Kuchuk does so happen to fall in their laps, we'll be back to cover it. But if not, you know, we'll be back some point in August to, uh, to pick things back up here. So thank you, everyone, for listening. Until next time, goodbye and good nights.